Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. It's Lon Seidman, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. And I want to begin first, as we always do, by thanking our newest Patreon supporters. And this week, we have a Patreon supporter, Randall Gaz. I want to thank Randall and everyone who has contributed to the Patreon on a regular basis, as well as all of you who watch on a regular basis, too, because as I always say, all of those things equal channel growth. And this week's weekly wrap-up is being sponsored by my friend Elias Saba, who runs a great website called AFTVNews.com. And what he does is he covers the Amazon ecosystem, including this tablet we looked at this week, along with all the things you can get on Amazon. And if you have an interest in anything that Amazon does, I strongly suggest you check out his website. He's got some great content there. Uh, You might see him popping up on something I'm going to be working on uh, here on this channel in a few weeks. And I can't say enough about Elias. He actually got his start around the same time that I started this channel. In fact, the first device that he reviewed uh, was one that he bought from me used and uh, was able to get his entire project launched with uh, that single purchase. So great guy, great website, definitely check it out. So let's take a look at what we uploaded over the last week. I had a bunch of stuff up on the Extras channel, including two mini reviews. Uh, The bottom one there is a wireless charger that works with the new iPhone 8. Uh, The one at the top is another mini review of a uh, device that gets around the iPhone's lack of a headphone jack. So for 35 bucks, you can plug this thing into the bottom of your phone and get that jack back and be able to charge your phone at the same time. What I really hope they do with all these new phones that lack a headphone jack, because it's not just Apple anymore, is to add another port at the bottom so you can charge and listen at the same time. I am still somebody who uses wired headphones. I just like them better because I don't have to remember to charge them. And it would be nice to have two ports at the bottom of the phone so I don't have to walk around with a $35 dongle that should do something that uh, shouldn't have to be done at all. So that's my two cents on that. Also, if you've got a 4K TV, definitely check out the iPhone 8 footage that I shot Uh, that you can really enjoy on something like that 4K TV. It runs at 60 frames per second, which is one of the new features of the iPhone 8, and it looks beautiful on one of these 4K screens. I went to Nantucket over the weekend, last weekend. Uh, That's a small island here in New England, and uh, took some great shots with that. Really impressive to see what comes out of a phone there. We also unboxed the Amazon Fire HD 10 tablet and the Asus Chromebook Flip that I uh, also reviewed on the main channel this week. And speaking of, uh, here are all the things that I reviewed. So we had the Azul Access Plus that I just took a look at, that Fire HD 10 tablet. I also reviewed the iPhone 8 Plus, which is part of a new sponsorship we started here on the channel from a company called Pulse. And these are the kind of sponsorships that I really like because I were able to review something as I always do, but there is a compatible sponsorship along with it. And what Pulse does is they will come to your house and fix your phone or anywhere else that you might be. uh, So you don't have to go to the Apple store or some other place to get it fixed. And they're often less expensive than uh, other phone fixing things you might be encountering. So definitely check out the review and uh, see the ad there. And then I did want to add a quick note on the Asus Chromebook Flip because uh, that device had some issues when I was flipping it into tablet mode. It kept turning itself off. It continued to do that. I contacted Asus and they're issuing an RMA for a warranty repair. So I'll let you know what happens when I get it back. 
And I also got a good tip on that Chromebook review from Mark Dietzel about improving video playback performance on Chromebooks. And if you're on YouTube, and I talk about this quite a bit, uh, you'll find that 1080p 60 video in particular tends to drop a lot of frames. The web browser is just not optimized for the type of video that YouTube is sending over to it. This is not just a problem with Chromebooks, but it's also a problem on Windows laptops running with the Chrome browser. And what Mark here suggests is downloading the uh, YouTube app for your uh, Chromebook through the Play Store. And you can see here we're actually getting decent performance on this video that I always test here on the channel. So we're not seeing many drop frames, five out of uh, 11,000 here right now. And if I jump back over to the uh, web version of this, you can see that if I play this back, we're going to be seeing a lot more dropped frames here. Let me close out the other one just to make it a fair test here. And we're losing about a third of the frames, if not more, uh, as we're playing back the same video through the web browser. So it seems like whatever optimizations that are, are out there to make this process better are in the app and not on the Chrome browser that ships with your Chromebook. It might get a little confusing because you may end up with two different YouTube icons, but if you are unhappy with your video playback performance on your Chromebook, definitely grab the YouTube app and watch your YouTube videos through that versus the web browser. You'll see much better performance than what we're seeing here. So now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 32 of me doing this as a full-time occupation, and all is going well. Corey is getting up to speed. He's our part-time help here on the channel, and uh, what's great when he's here, I'm often shooting videos while he's working on something else, which is exactly what I was hoping I'd be able to get uh, out of a helper here. So he's taken about anywhere from 20 to 25 hours of work off my plate each week, which has really been freeing me up uh, mentally and physically to uh, start thinking about doing some other stuff. So one of the other things that we talked about last week is starting to gel out a little more, which is uh, some kind of regular live stream. I think I'm going to start with maybe uh, once or twice a month, and if there's a good response to it, maybe we do it on a weekly basis, and it'll involve me doing something and then uh, having some Q&A as integrated as part of that. I do want to have some kind of plan for these things so it's not just some uh, free-for-all where I just sit there in front of the camera and answer questions the entire time. I do want to provide some value uh, to taking so, up some of your time to watch me working on something. So uh, the first one I think I'm going to do might be kind of fun. I'm getting one of these uh, little kits in from GearBest that allows you to attach a GPU up to a low-end laptop. Any laptop that has one of those Bluetooth Wi-Fi radios in its PCI Express slot uh, is compatible with this thing, apparently. So we're going to take one of those laptops out of the back, uh, take it apart, install this thing, and see how it works. And then I'll have a review of that uh, after the fact. You'll be joining me for my uh, journey through this. And we'll be experimenting as uh, we do this to see what works well as a live stream. We're going to see how Corey can be integrated into this. I'll probably have him queuing up questions that come in from all of you and moderating the chat room as well. So uh, it'll be a fun project. I don't have a date yet because I don't know when this thing is coming here. So uh, when it does arrive, I will make an announcement of some kind. Uh, definitely follow me on Facebook or sign up for the email list if you want to be notified as to when that is taking place. Another thing I'm working on is something with the YouTube space in New York. And if you are a tech creator with at least 10,000 subscribers. Uh, they are forming groups in New York City for uh, different topics, and uh, I'm going to be helping them organize the tech topic over there. So we're going to have a, a little meetup on, I think, November 17th, which is a Friday in November. Yep, 17th uh, at 6.30 p.m. It's all tentative right now, but uh, email me and let me know if you are uh, interested in being a part of that. Again, it'll be at the New York uh, City YouTube space at Chelsea Market 
probably around 6.30 p.m. I'll talk a little bit more about this as we move on. Uh, the subscriber minimum is what YouTube wants to do. It's not my choice. I would have looked for uh, smaller channels, but if there is some interest from smaller channels, I'm happy to do something else with uh, you all on our own. We could even host it over at the space at some point also. So if you're in the New York area and a tech uh, creator, uh, email me. Let me know if you are interested in doing something at some point. Because I would like to do more collaborations and other things, especially now that I've got more bandwidth during the course of my day. And now it's time for some news. And this first story is a big deal. And you're probably going to be hearing a lot about this. The WPA2 encryption that we are likely all using on our Wi-Fi is vulnerable. Uh, the good news is that it can be patched, but right now every single wireless device at the time that I am doing this video uh, is vulnerable to this attack vector. Now, if somebody is attacking you, they have to be in close proximity to where you are, so they actually have to be near your uh, Wi-Fi access point or Wi-Fi device for this to work, but basically it uh, takes away a lot of the protections that WPA2 encryption provides, and somebody might be able to see uh, data that's running across your network in the clear. Now, if you are uh, communicating with Google in your Gmail, for example, that's an end-to-end -end encrypted uh, connection, so they won't be able to peek into that kind of traffic, but anything else on your network that is not uh, protecting itself with encryption might be vulnerable if somebody is listening with this exploit. This is patchable, but this brings up an unusual problem that we often talk about here on the channel, which is that older devices don't get security updates, and this is going to be an important update that uh, you need to make sure is on your device. So if your router manufacturer or your cable provider is not uh, communicating with you about their efforts to patch up this problem, you need to get in touch with them and figure out when they are going to do it because this is a, a pretty significant hole that uh, needs to get patched. Now, Ubiquiti Networks, who makes my uh, Wi-Fi access points, has uh, already stated they will be issuing a firmware update shortly to deal with this issue. But now that this is public and out there, uh, there's no doubt that this is going to get exploited very quickly. And this is probably one of those things that uh, government hackers have known about for some time and have probably been exploiting for a long time. So this is a big deal. Get your stuff patched and make sure that that patch you're installing is addressing this issue. And if you are using equipment that's older, and that includes your phones and other devices, uh, if it's not going to get patched, you might want to get a new one uh, that will have an updated Wi-Fi firmware on it to prevent your device from being vulnerable here because it's not just the access points, it's probably also the client devices too. Now this next story is a lot more fun and I think retro game fans will be excited to hear about this piece of news. Uh, Analog, who made the Analog NT Mini, which is this very expensive NES clone console, but it really is a perfect way to play those old games on your 1080p set. Uh, they've announced a Super Nintendo version here called the Super NT Classic, and uh, this costs a lot less than the NT Mini to start with, and it will play all of the original Super Nintendo games that you might have on cartridges, and it will also be compatible uh, with flash cartridges that are out there also. So this is going to be something to keep an eye on. Now, just like the NT Mini. It is powered by a field programmable gate array processor. This is a special chip that can be programmed to basically mimic the timings and all of the things that were going on inside of the chips that made up the original Super Nintendo. And what we found on the NT Mini is that using an FPGA results in a very accurate representation of what those games were like to play. Uh, the button latency is the lowest I've tested on just about any device out there short of the original console. Uh, I've had a lot of fun playing with this. There was some unofficial firmware that came out as well that added uh, FPGA simulations of a bunch of other 80s consoles too. So on this card, I've got uh, my whole childhood and I can boot up uh, the Atari 2600 
2600 or the ColecoVision, the Sega Master System, the NES, uh, you name it, it runs on here. Uh, now a lot more people are going to be feeling the FPGA love here with a console that uh, will run you about 230 bucks after they uh, ding you for shipping on the pre-order here. But I think if you are a fan of the Super Nintendo and retro games, uh, this is definitely something to keep an eye on. I did pre-order one this morning. I hope to get it in February when it comes out, and I will do a full review of it. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same unofficial firmware that we saw on the NT Mini come out for the SNES uh, NT here, uh, which will then give you the ability to play some additional consoles too, because that FPGA chip on there is big enough to not only play the 16-bit stuff, but it should allow them to uh, work in some other firmwares too. So this will be a great thing to keep an eye on. It might just be the ultimate retro game console because this one sort of is now and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what you can do with 16-bit games on an FPGA chip. Stay tuned. So now it's time for some Q&A and our first question comes in from Q who's wondering how many products have I reviewed using my own funds? He says he hears that quite a bit and yes I do buy a lot of the stuff that I review here on the channel with my own funds especially things that uh, generally cost like $300 or less because I can get them in here quicker than I can by trying to get the company to send me something. It does take a while to work through all the channels and get things shipped out. And a lot of times I want to have the product reviewed very early in its life cycle so I have a good chance of picking up views from that. And that was a, a key business decision I made a couple of years ago when I started taking this channel seriously was that I started buying some name brand inexpensive stuff, uh, reviewing it and selling it at a loss. But I was making back more on the YouTube advertising that I was losing through uh, the sale of the products. So that's been kind of an underlying uh, piece of overhead that I pay out every year, but uh, it seems to be working out pretty well. I do spend you know, several thousand dollars on things that I uh, will never get back, but uh, it is helping to grow the channel, which is why when you are uh, in a business, you have to spend money sometimes to make money. So that's what I do there. Another thing that happens when I do get things in that I don't pay for is that I am responsible for taxes on those items. And uh, Amazon Vine, for example, does file a uh, 1099 every year with the value of the goods that I am getting in for free. So there's no free ride in this world because I do pay taxes on the things that uh, do come to the channel free of charge as well. Uh, but I do try to buy a lot of these things, again, just because it's faster to get them that way than it is to wait to get the company to send it or having to go dig through uh, all these different contacts that I have to find the right person for that particular product. However, I am always on the lookout uh, to buy things. So if you are seeing laptops or other things that are in that $300 or less price category, uh, definitely let me know down in the comments below. And some people were asking why, for example, I haven't looked at the Sony Xperia phones when I've looked at a bunch of other brands. And the reason is, is that those phones are expensive. And uh, in the case of the iPhone 8, we did get a loaner in from our sponsor Pulse, but I do use iPhones throughout my uh, workday. So if there's a new phone that comes out that I end up buying for my own use, I'll of course review it, but I can't really afford to bring in every single phone that comes out because it's very hard to make that money back. I can afford to lose maybe 50 bucks on a $300 product, but it's hard to lose $200 every time on a $1,000 phone, for example. So uh, I do have some relationships with some phone companies, but uh, not everyone is looking at a channel this size as something that uh, is worth their time or effort to send a loaner out to. So that is why you don't see a lot of the expensive stuff here. But I think a lot of people who watch this channel uh, like the inexpensive stuff, and I sure as heck do as well. So I'll be uh, continuing my focus on the lower end of the market. 
Now, this next question is a two-parter, and the first part here comes in from Kenneth Lawson, who makes a very good point about CBS All Access. Now, I was complaining about this last week when I was talking about Star Trek Discovery and uh, was giving CBS some heat for, for making this show only accessible on their monthly subscription plan. And uh, what Kenneth points out here, which I think is a very valid point, is that they're doing exactly what Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and others have been doing, as he says, for the last 10 years. And uh, we really shouldn't be singling them out for it because this is really an industry thing. And he's absolutely right about that. It's not just CBS doing it. It's all these other folks, too. And I think where uh, Netflix provided more value to me was that I got stuff from them, but I also got stuff from other uh, content producers. But as we're seeing now, the market is shifting to a point where Disney, for example, is pulling all of their Netflix content off and starting up their own subscription service. And uh, we're getting into a point where everybody's going to have their hand in, in your pocket trying to take uh, monthly fees out for uh, content that you might want to watch. And I think my frustration is I just want some more options to purchase this stuff because I would love to watch uh, Star Trek Discovery as a uh, $40 season pass, for example, and then have it forever as opposed to having to keep the subscription active if I want to keep watching the show. And that was my uh, big frustration that I think probably could have been communicated better last week. And I thank Kenneth for uh, providing a very good counterpoint there. But Stacey Luster sums up my frustration best here. I'm so damn tired of subscription services for everything. Software as a service, Windows as a service, music as a service, TV as a service. It's like they don't want you to own anything. And I think that is really uh, summing up my frustrations quite well, because all this stuff out there is now uh, wanting to get a monthly fee out of your pocket, a continual stream of revenue. And then once you're done with that subscription fee, you no longer have access to the stuff you've been paying for all that time. And uh, there are some benefits to it. I do like the all-you-can-eat uh, music plan I'm on with iTunes and with YouTube, but that's a variety of different uh, providers giving me content as opposed to having to subscribe to each one of them separately. And I think that is where my uh, frustration really lies here. And I'm seeing it now in other areas too. So check out this example. Uh, there's a utility on the Mac that I use called Text Expander, and uh, what it does is it allows you to type in a very short snippet of text, and then it will uh, spit out a longer snippet that you've programmed into it. And a great example of how I'm using Text Expander is on uh, the video description feeds on every video that I post up. Uh, underneath where I finish typing out what that video is all about, I've got a bunch of text that's the same on every single video. And all I have to do is type in Lon TV footer, and all those links and everything else just pop into that text thing automatically. And I purchased Text Expander probably about five or six years ago for about 35 bucks. I think I did an upgrade maybe two years later because they added one feature that I was hoping that they would add, and they did. So I uh, coughed up some, some upgrade dollars and did it again, but I haven't really paid them anything since then because it does exactly what I wanted to do. I don't need anything more. They do have a new version that came out that had a whole bunch of new features that I wasn't interested in, so I just didn't purchase it, but I was still able to uh, use the old one. And of course, they have a conundrum because they made a piece of software that is so perfect and does everything their users wanted to do. They had no uh, desire to upgrade to the new version, so they're switching now uh, to a subscription model for their new stuff. And of course, I'm still able to use my old version of the software for as long as I want, at least until uh, Mac uh, OS 10 changes and it's no longer compatible. Uh, but now they want to get $3.33 a month out of people to uh, use the software that they were able to buy one time in the past. QuickBooks is doing some similar stuff. Everybody's just trying to get a, a fee out of me uh, to keep using the software that I want to use. And I just don't like this because it's really putting uh, me in a place where I don't know if they're actually going to keep making the software better or address my needs. I'd much rather pay for things that I know I want as opposed to paying things and hoping they'll give me the things that I want. I don't think having to pay a tax in this case to uh, keep using a very simple utility makes a lot of sense to me. And 
uh, yet this is where I'm seeing a lot of the software uh, developers going. Part of the problem, of course, is that uh, we have now brought the prices down so low on things like the mobile app store that anytime somebody wants you to spend more than five bucks for an app, it's like, who's going to do that? And uh, it's really driven down the ability for a lot of these independent developers to make money. But uh, I think if you've got a good software product, release some features and get people to pay for them or uh, keep your other thing running and, and just do some very basic uh, fixes to whatever operating system compatibility issues come up and then come up with something new that people might want to buy differently from uh, some of your other stuff. But uh, that is what's going on with Text Expander. Another issue, though, is that you could buy digital goods and then have them swept away from you. And a great example of that is Nintendo uh, shutting down the Wii Shop, and that includes the Wii U Shop, too. So if you've bought something uh, on their digital store and uh, you try to load up your Wii U, your Wii or Wii U console a few years from now and try to download it again, you won't be able to. So if it's not residing on your console, it's going to be gone forever. So what I've been doing on my Nintendo Switch, which I am enjoying very much, is buying as many games as possible on cartridge versus uh, the digital options that they have available for me. And uh, what's been good about this is that if I get a game I don't like, like Splatoon 2, I'm just not crazy about it. I'm going to sell it, and I can do that. If I bought the game digitally, it'd be sitting in my digital library until Nintendo shuts down the Switch store. So I like having uh, physical media that is transferable, and I'm really glad that Nintendo kept that as an option in their new console here because that does add some value to me at least because you do have uh, some degree of control over the media that you purchase on that device. I also, of course, buy a lot of Blu-ray movies because I like having, first of all, the high quality of the Blu-ray movie versus something that I stream. But it's also, again, a physical thing that even if my movie service shuts down, I still have a, a disc that I paid for and own uh, that I can watch anytime I want. And now it's time for a Q&A for you. And I got some really good comments on my review of the uh, new Amazon tablet here because it does have uh, the built-in voice commands, the echo commands, essentially. I'm not going to use the A word right now. Uh, that allow you to have this thing really function very similar to the more expensive Echo Show that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. And I got a bunch of comments in from some folks who wanted me to see if this could really be a viable alternative to the more expensive Echo Show. And I'm going to probably do a video on this. And what I wanted to do was get some comments from all of you Amazon fans to uh, get some idea of the things that I should test in that video. So, of course, I did an Echo Show review. I'm looking at all the things that I demonstrated the Echo Show doing in that video, but I want to see if if there's other things that I should test with this tablet that uh, would be enough Echo Show functionality for you that might make this a, a better buy at 150 bucks versus the uh, 200 and something dollar Echo Show device. So let me know down in the comments below what you'd like to see, and maybe in the next week or two, I'll put something together on that tablet and compare it to the show. And our channel of the week this week is something that I've talked about quite a bit, but never actually made it to be the channel of the week. So I'm going to recommend Classic Game Room to you all. Uh, Mark is a great guy who's been doing retro game content for uh, close to 20 years now. He's probably one of the first to do it, and he had a uh, meteoric rise on YouTube, and then, of course, things change, and he uh, re-engineered uh, re how he provides his content to folks. He's got a Patreon now. He's publishing books on Amazon. He's done some really great stuff. I've been a Patreon supporter of his for quite a while, and I think he's got now like over 4,000 videos of uh, various retro games. And if you're into that kind of thing, like I am, as I just talked about with our Analog NT discussion, uh, definitely check out his channel, and you've got a lot of content to catch up on if you haven't seen it already. I mentioned in the past, too, that uh, his channel and its format was kind of an inspiration for this channel where he focuses on one product, in this case a game, and uh, really optimizes well for search. And that was how I found him in the first place. A great channel, definitely worth a watch. So this week I've got a bunch of stuff planned.
said, one thing that I was hoping to get up last week got uh, bumped out from that Amazon tablet arriving, and that is a Lenovo tablet that came in from GearBest, and this is an 8-inch tablet. We'll see how this compares perhaps to my favorite tablet of all time in that form factor, the uh, K1 from NVIDIA, so stay tuned for that. I got this thing in the UPS bucket the other day. This is a mini PC from Shuttle. It's not all that much bigger than a NUC. Uh, but it is powered by an i5 uh, quad-core CPU and a NVIDIA GTX 1060 GPU in a very, very small form factor. So we're putting this one through its paces. It's a little pricey. This is something that they let us borrow for a little bit. I figured it'd be kind of fun to take a look at a living room gaming PC. I'm very interested in living room gaming PCs just because I see this is where the gaming uh, market is going. This is why Microsoft is doing uh, games that are playable on both Windows and Xbox because for Microsoft, if they can sell this software on their platform, uh, they win no matter what you're using to play it. And I think we're going to see an eventual merger here where uh, GPU technology and CPU technology gets to a point where the price isn't so bad and the performance is there and uh, you'll have a lot of choices for what you plug into your TV. And Microsoft hopes to capitalize on that. In the meantime, this thing's about 1200 bucks, so out of reach for a lot of folks looking for something cheap and easy. But nonetheless, I am intrigued by it and we're going to be testing it. I also got in the Moto G5S Plus, and uh, this is a phone that I think costs around $279 or so, and uh, has some pretty nice features to it, so we'll be playing with that phone a little later this week. And I do hope to get you that didn't make the cut video that I promised last week. I do have three things ready to go for that, so uh, stay tuned. I will have that up this week, hopefully as well. So a lot of stuff going on, but uh, lots of great content, and I will be doing our sponsored video from Plex this week. We're going to be talking about hardware transcoding as well as their new news feature. Uh, that one should be up in a couple of days also. So lots of stuff for me to be keeping myself busy with here at this desk. If you want to help the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash Patreon and make a monthly contribution to the channel. We have our tip jar set up at lon.tv slash tip jar for a one-time contribution. You can also make a one-time contribution via PayPal if you are outside the United States, and we appreciate everyone who helps us out that way. Uh, we also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, so anytime you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission, and we also get a commission when you gift a Plex Pass to somebody else in your life, so definitely do that with the links you just saw there. I have additional channels that you may or may not know about. The Extras channel is at lon.tv slash extras. That is supplementary content like my 4K uh, Nantucket videos as well as unboxings. We have my podcast, which is an audio version version of this show, but I'm going to be uh, exploring some other things on the podcast route shortly. That's at lon.tv slash podcast or on any of your, your favorite podcatchers. You'll find me there. The Snippets channel are bite-sized pieces of these videos, and you can uh, subscribe to that. We have the VidMe channel, which is basically the extras channel running on VidMe. And, of course, we've got my live streams, which you can find at lon.tv slash live streams. And if you like what I am doing, I do suggest you click on that notification bell so you get a notice every time I upload or do anything. And that will include any time I go live as well. So when we start playing around with these live streams, you'll be notified of that fact. So definitely click on that bell on all the channels you are interested in in. And if you want to engage with the channel, you can connect to my email list at lon.tv slash email. I've been talking about this a lot. I haven't sent out an email lately, but I will soon. Uh, lon.tv slash Facebook for the Facebook page and the store is located at lon.tv slash store, where I hope to recoup my losses on selling the things that I paid for to my paid to review and now I need to get rid of so you can get a good deal on a brand new piece of equipment that was opened for the purposes of the review. Again, lon.tv slash store. And I send out an email every time I update the store at lon.tv slash store alert. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap up. 
I want to thank you all for your continued support and feedback of the channel. Please keep that coming down in the comments section below, and I will see you next week on next week's wrap-up. And of course, we got a bunch of stuff planned for the coming week. This is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, John Prawl, William Miller, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.